welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today, we're going to talk about the biggest dilemma in fantasy football. What do you do if you get that number one pick? We're going to provide some candidates, provide some data for each candidate that supports them being the number one pick and not being the number one pick. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. And also, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Two articles on there that you might really enjoy. One, five tips for dominating your fantasy draft. And two, the five biggest risks in fantasy football this upcoming season both available for premium members on the Patreon. Now, without further ado, let's talk that first draft pick. In my personal opinion, I find it really enjoyable to have the number one overall pick in a fantasy draft. Fantasy drafts are usually a reactive business. Everybody is reacting to what everybody else is doing. If you have that number one overall pick, you are setting the precedent. You are setting the stage. Everybody's got to react to you. There's nothing for you to react to. It's also the only situation where you might get more than a minute and a half to evaluate who you're going to pick. Generally, an hour before the draft starts is when you know the draft order. If you do an offline draft or something that nature, you might know it months in advance. But you get plenty of time to evaluate and make that decision. So I'm going to give you some names today that might be a part of that decision. I've got five candidates. We're going to talk about all five of them. And I'm going to let you decide which one you would go with. Those five names are Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup. Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler. Let's start with the fantastic running back out of Indianapolis, Jonathan Taylor. If you are listening to this podcast, you're probably already well aware that Jonathan Taylor was RB1 last season, finished with 373 points, which was 30 points clear of RB2. He averaged 22 points per game in 17 games played. In my opinion, one of the most eye-popping stats was that he averaged 5.5 yards per carry. Now, let's deep dive those 373 points. 23.5% of his points came from receiving, so he is not overly dependent on catching the football in order to score points. Another thing that stands out is just how many touchdowns Jonathan Taylor scored. Jonathan Taylor had a 5.4% touchdown rate. That means that 5.4% of his carries went for touchdown. That is an incredible rate. 4% is considered very good. Another running back that's in the top 10, Joe Mixon, has never had a season above 4%. Jonathan Taylor's last season was 5.4. In other words, he scored a little bit more touchdowns than he probably should have. Taylor also, big reason why, had 40 more red zone attempts than any other running back. That is flat insane. Taylor had 86. Second place was 46. So he almost doubled up every other running back in terms of red zone carries. So in other words, the opportunities are there for Taylor to put up points in bunches. Speaking of opportunities, Taylor was second in the NFL last season in total touches. Only Najee Harris had more. Najee Harris had 25 less carries than Taylor, but he had 34 more receptions. So Najee does does get the slight nod for touches. So bottom line with Jonathan Taylor, RB1 last season, and I see no reason why he can't be RB1 this season. I do expect a little bit of touchdown regression. That 5.4% number is a little high. So I definitely could see that touchdown total coming down just a little bit. But here's the kicker. He was 30 points ahead of second place. 
30 fantasy points is five touchdowns. So if he scores five touchdowns less last season, he's still going to finish his RB1 or RB2. If you look at the changes around Jonathan Taylor, he gets Matt Ryan this year in instead of Carson Wentz. I can't see that possibly being a negative. I could see the offense being a little more pass-happy with Matt Ryan, but I definitely see them as a more secure ball control possession type of offense. They're definitely going to turn the ball over less than when they had Carson Wentz. I think that's a guaranteed fact. So I can't see the addition of Ryan hurting Taylor a whole lot. I think he is a lock to finish as a top five running back, and I think I could definitely see him finishing as RB1, and I definitely see him as a viable number one overall pick. I cannot envision a scenario where he's your number one overall pick, and he absolutely destroys your season unless he has some kind of freak injury. Let's talk about our second candidate, running back out of Carolina, Christian McCaffrey. So I want to go over some numbers and then talk about what the general sentiment and misconceptions seem to be around Christian McCaffrey right now. So Christian McCaffrey was RB1 in 2019. That's two seasons ago. In the time since, he's only played 10 games. He's had a little bit of injury trouble. In 2020, he played three games. 2021, he played seven games. And in those 10 games, he averaged 21.8 points per game. If you were to extrapolate that over a full season, that would be good enough for RB2 right behind Jonathan Taylor. Christian McCaffrey was also the consensus number one overall pick in fantasy drafts in 2020 and 2021. So my question is, what changed? Like for real, what changed from 2020 and 2021 around Christian McCaffrey, because if you expect 2019 Christian McCaffrey, that's RB1. That's exactly what you would want with your number one overall pick. The only issue that he is dealing with right now is people's sentiments that he is prone to injury. Let's deep dive that just a little bit. Christian McCaffrey never missed a game in college or the NFL before 2020. He never so much as missed a practice at Stanford. He was incredibly durable. What's really important to note is, in 2020, the Carolina Panthers gave him a massive long-term contract. It's worth noting that the Carolina Panthers were a bad football team in 2020 and 2021. It is of my opinion that they were looking to protect their asset in Christian McCaffrey the past two seasons. If you were to go buy a house and you get a 30-year mortgage on it, you're going to take care of that house. That's what the Panthers are doing with Christian McCaffrey. They were not going to expose him to unnecessary hits and unnecessary injuries when they knew they weren't going to be any good. So if that means that he could have actually played more games last year, would that influence people's opinion on him? I don't know. I, I really can't answer that question for sure. That's for everybody out there to decide. But what I do know is if you were to draft McCaffrey expecting the same running back he was in 2019, that's absolutely worth a number one overall pick. We talked earlier about Jonathan Taylor's total last season of 373. Well, in 2018, Christian McCaffrey scored 385 points in PPR and 471 points in 2019. That's utterly insane. If you want to talk about his workload, last season in the games he played, he averaged six targets per game. Well, guess what? Six targets, PPR league, that can easily translate to five or six points right there. Now, I know I've been doing a lot of comparisons between you know 2019 McCaffrey and 2022 McCaffrey, right? So let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. 
they added Baker Mayfield this offseason. And I personally think that Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. And I think he is a better quarterback than the tail end of Cam Newton's career. While Cam, you know, at his peak was obviously way better. He was MVP. But right now, I think Baker Mayfield's a better option than either of those two guys. Baker Mayfield is not somebody who throws the ball downfield a whole lot. And so I totally could see Christian McCaffrey being that outlet for Baker, getting a lot of targets, getting a lot of catches, getting a lot of yards after the catch. In my personal opinion, the only thing that would prevent anybody from drafting Christian McCaffrey number one overall is his health concerns, which like I said, I am not concerned about. I think the Carolina Panthers have tried to protect him. I don't think they're lingering type injuries. And I think if he's good to go this season, he is going to finish as RB1 like he did in 2019. Let's switch it up a bit for candidate three. Let's talk about a wide receiver. The only wide receiver that I would consider drafting with the number one overall pick. And that is the Los Angeles Rams Cooper Cup. Last season... Cooper Cup had the greatest fantasy season by a wide receiver ever. He set the league record in fantasy points by a wide receiver, and he set the league record for single season receiving yards. So here's the bottom line. If Cooper Cup is able to do what he did last season, then he should be the number one overall pick. But the question is, can he repeat what he did last season? Let's talk about some stats that work against Cooper Cup in that regard. He had more red zone targets, yards, and touchdowns than any other wide receiver. That means that he was given ample opportunities to score those crucial touchdowns, which are worth six points in fantasy. He also had 32% of his team's targets. For reference, only one other receiver in the league was over 30, and that was Devontae Adams. Now, if you don't think that Cooper Cup is going to repeat, that might not be the worst thing in the world still. He might not need to repeat 100% of what he did last season to be productive. Here's what I mean by that. Last season, Cooper Cup was so far ahead of everybody else that wide receiver two, which was Devontae Adams, only had 78% of his total points. So what that means is if you chopped off 22% of Cooper Cup's season last year, he still would have finished as wide receiver one. That's utterly insane. He was so far ahead of everybody else. Now, let me work in a few more stats here that show you that Cup might be able to actually score more points next season. Cooper Cup only had 33% of his team's air yards last season. That ranked 17th in the National Football League. What that means is Cooper Cup wasn't getting bombs. He was getting these short intermediate throws, which do not require a whole lot of accuracy or touch by the quarterback. They're more sustainable than deep throws. For reference, I've mentioned Cup was at 33%. Justin Jefferson led the league at 46% of his team's air yards. Another fact that goes with Cooper Cup, he was number one in the NFL in yards after catch last season. Now, we typically don't think of Cooper Cup as a yard after catch guy. Those are usually reserved for your speedy guys like your Tyreek Hills, your Debo Samuels, your Jalen Waddles. But what that meant in Cup's case was he was able to get yards after catch because he was so open when he caught the ball that he was very easily able to turn up field and get yardage. I have two more stats that demonstrate that Cup might actually be in line for more points this season. I mentioned how Cooper Cup had the best fantasy season for a wide receiver ever. The number one 
correlation, correlated stat for success for a wide receiver is targets. Targets turn into fantasy points. So it would make sense that if he had the best fantasy season ever, that he had the most targets ever. But that's actually not true. He was actually ninth in targets all time. So what this means is, is he had a better season than eight guys who had more targets than him. That means that he is making the most out of every single time that Matthew Stafford looks his way. Last stat is this. Sony Michelle was third in the league in red zone carries last season. I mentioned Cup's red zone per proliferation as well. So this means that the Los Angeles Rams were in the red zone a lot last season. They're an elite level offense. They return Matthew Stafford. They get Cam Akers back off of injury. They also add Allen Robinson for free agency. This offense is incredibly talented. They're going to score points in bunches. And I do think that Cooper Cup is going to be able to return a lot of the production that he had last season. Again, if he only has 80% of what he did last season, that's still good enough for wide receiver one. And that's still worth taking as your number one overall selection. Now, these last two candidates are going to be guys that I would look at depending on your league scoring. This first one is a PPR monster. Los Angeles Chargers running back Austin Eckler. I would strongly consider him for a number one overall pick if I was in a PPR league. Here is why. He led all running backs last season in targets, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. He was only .4 points per game behind Jonathan Taylor in PPR scoring. The big difference is he didn't play all 17 games, whereas Taylor did. Eckler averaged 5.8 targets per game last season. We mentioned how McCaffrey had six, both of those very prolific receiving running backs. 53% of Austin Eckler's fantasy points came from receiving last season. Now, those are all why he's a great PPR option. Now, let me talk about why he might actually have a chance to be more prolific as a runner. He had 206 carries last season. That's 126 less than Jonathan Taylor. Eckler still averaged 4.4 yards a carry. Eckler also did not reach 1,000 rushing yards on the season. He might have had the best PPR season ever by a 9,000-yard rusher. So I think he could be in line for more rushing yards. 4.4 yards per carry is pretty solid. That's not a bad number. It's well above average in the National Football League. Now, here's the one cause of concern for Austin Eckler, though. The Los Angeles Chargers did draft Isaiah Spiller in this offseason. Isaiah Spiller, coming out of Texas A&M, he is not the most prolific receiving back. So I don't expect him to eat into Eckler's targets or his work on third downs. However, I could absolutely see if Spiller ended up getting some of those carries that Eckler had. Eckler already had a low carry total. So if Spiller is getting, say, 30 of those 206 carries, then that kind of puts him in a dangerous position where I don't know if I can argue for taking that number one overall. We're yet to see how that running back situation is going to play out. It's going to be something to monitor over the preseason. But I really like the Chargers offense. I really like how much Austin Eckler touches the football. And if you're in a PPR league, I think it's worth consideration for taking him number one overall. My fifth candidate is somebody that I would not consider at all in a PPR league. However, if you were in a standard league or a half PPR league, I think this guy is another completely viable option to draft number one overall. And that is the Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry. 
Derrick Henry actually led all running backs in points per game last season with 24. Now, he did miss nine games due to injury. So, here's a really incredible stat. He played eight games. He missed nine. He still finished as RB22 last season. If you get that same result out of Derrick Henry, that's not going to torpedo your fantasy season. Other first-round picks last season, Dalvin Cook was RB16, and Saquon Barkley was RB30. So if you're looking at concerns for his injury history, I'm not that concerned. Because even if he only plays eight games, that's enough to get a top 20 level season out of Henry. Now, like I said, I'm not picking Derrick Henry number one in a PPR league. He had 17% of his fantasy points come from receiving. That's not a lot. That's significantly less than every other option we've gone over so far today. One thing that I do like and I think Henry has going for him is he led the NFL last season in fantasy points per touch. When he was getting the football, he was getting you yards, he was getting you touchdowns. And so if you think that Derrick Henry can come back and be the same guy that he was in weeks one through eight last season, which I think he can, I think there are some people that are concerned about how he looked in the playoff game against Cincinnati. Look, the guy was coming off of a foot fracture. I don't, ex- I don't think it's reasonable to expect him to be 100% coming right back off that injury in an NFL playoff game. So if you think that Derrick Henry can get right back to where he was weeks one through eight last season, he was going to be on pace to finish the season as RB1, and I think he could absolutely finish it as RB1 again. Like I said, I'm probably not considering taking him in a PPR league, number one overall, but if you're in a standard league or if you're in a half PPR league, I think it makes a lot of sense to consider Derrick Henry, even though a lot of places do not have him one or two on their draft board. So there you have it. Those are the five candidates that I would consider drafting number one overall in your fantasy drafts this season. I'm not going to disclose exactly what I would do. I'm going to leave that a little bit of a mystery, and I'm going to let you decide what you would do with your number one overall pick. I presented the facts. I presented the numbers. I'm going to let you make that decision. If you like what you're hearing here on the podcast, please rate and subscribe. It'll help me out a lot. If you are really liking what you're hearing on the podcast and you want to read more about fantasy football, fantasy basketball, and fantasy golf, subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. If you want to dominate your fantasy draft this season, I've got an article on the Patreon, five tips for dominating your fantasy draft, and five fantasy football players that present the most risk. Check it out. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. 